I'm a big believer in enablement being in the curation business, not the creation business. And so I would say their, their job is, as, as the company grows is, is to crowdsource a ton of stuff from the field, the best pitches, the best deal wins, the customer stories, the best demo flows, all those things that are happening in the field. Enablement should be curating, getting those from the field versus trying to invent the thing from scratch. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we're talking about how to elevate your sales team with sales enablement. Uh, I've got Dave Lichtman on the... uh, in the hot seat here today, <laughs> Dave is a CEO and founder of Enable Match. He's a sales professional with over 20 years experience and an acute understanding of the growing challenges that employers face in recruiting top enablement talent. So to solve this problem, he founded Enable Match. It's a boutique firm doing recruiting that is laser focused on the highly specialized and emerging field of sales enablement. So that's what we're talking about today. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, so let's jump into it. There, there's a lot of talk these days about sales enablement, but frankly, I think a lack of understanding uh, and consensus around what it even is. What, what is sales enablement to you? Yeah, it's funny. There, there's a lot of lack of understanding because it's changed a lot over the past 15 or so years. And I will tell you back, you know, earlier in my career, I was a sales trainer and it was a great job. I reported up to HR. I was a product expert. I did tons of trainings with great reviews as employee of the year, one, one year. All that was great. But in retrospect, it was all wrong, meaning that Back then, there was training, but there was a severe lack of alignment and orientation towards sales. They just didn't exist. And and if you fast forward over the past 10, 15 years, what you see now is a whole different animal, where enablement is absolutely aligned and accountable to sales. And so what you'll typically see now that you didn't see before is an enablement function will roll up to a sales executive. You'll see compensation of of the enablement person is tied to the sales number. And for the first time, just given all the growth that's been happening, you, you have this groundswell of best practices and, and thought leadership around sales enablement. And that didn't exist before. And so, you know, having been in sales for so long, I know that we're all like, we have the attention span of a caffeinated gnat. And so it's got to be very oriented towards sales if you're going to make enablement effective. And so it's come a long way and it's still in its infancy, but it's, it's, it's a great thing that's all about sales where it wasn't before. So put these three things in a bucket for me, sales training, sales operations, and sales enablement. Yeah. So sales training, think of that as getting up and and teaching somebody a very specific skill. Operations is making sure the fields in Salesforce match up your sales process and quota assignment and territory management. It's all the carving and the operational stuff. Enablement really is meant to remove the friction from the sales process. And so that, that can encompass a lot of different things. It could be product training. It could be sales skills training. But that's kind of all your, your training is a subset of enablement of what they're doing. And it can encompass a lot of different things along the way about 
coaching of the managers, about running an effective QBR, about making your sales kickoff highly effective. And so enablement is really a superset of, of training. In operations, there is some overlap, but it's a slightly different animal, more towards just the operational aspects of sales. Yeah, and I think in a ton of organizations, the 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 same person may do all three and their title may be director of sales or VP of sales. They may be, maybe they're a frontline manager or maybe they're, even, maybe they're even a rep on the team that gets charged with doing, doing a, a particular element of sales enablement. That's exactly right. Even as I started the company, what I found sometimes was a person would reach out and say, I am passionate about sales enablement. I'm looking for my next job. And I'd say, great, tell me, tell me what you like about it. And they'd say, oh, gosh, I love assigning quotas and carving out territories and go on and on. I'm like, you don't want to be a sales enablement person. You're a sales operations person. Mm -hmm. He didn't know. It's his own job. and He didn't really understand the, the, the differences between the different parts of it. And it speaks to how it's evolved so much. And it's still a fairly murky area today. Well, in your words, what are the key responsibilities of a sales enablement professional? Yeah, it's really being close with the sales organization, understanding their priorities, and trying to knock down all those impediments that they can find. As mentioning before, there is a notion of, yes, product training is important, but it's also like the how you do your job. And so getting, getting folks aligned on best practices and to make sure that everybody is starting to mirror the, the, the behaviors and the best practices of the top reps at the company. And again, coaching becomes a very important part of it, but also just, just getting into consolidating email templates or consolidating best practice of decks. And all those things really come together, enablements there to help facilitate and lubricate that entire process happening across the company. Excellent. And tell me about why this is so important. How does it drive results? Yeah, if, if, if folks listening take nothing else away from the conversation, please take this away that sales enablement, when done properly, is a force multiplier in your organization. And it's how you scale excellence across the team. Now, I'll give you a really specific example. So, uh, Bruce Campbell runs enablement at Sage Intact, and I've known Bruce for, for several years now. And, and last year, he was talking to his head of sales, Kathy, and they'd observed that some managers were much better coaches than others. And they felt that it was really important to up-level their manager's skill set this year to help them drive the numbers they had to drive. And so Bruce built out a really interesting program where essentially all the sales managers had, in addition to the regular quota, they had a coaching quota for the first time. X number of coaching calls per month with their, front, with their reps. And he, he built a system and a place for them to essentially log the who was the call with, what did you talk about, what category does it fall into. And it really, it was, it was powerful because now the managers had accountability, but what, what really started to move the needle for them was those frontline sales managers were for the, for the first time being coached on how they coach. So the second line managers and, and Kathy could say, oh, I could see that Steve wasn't really able to have that, that difficult conversation with his, with his reps. And I can see that, that, that Sally was, was really good at hitting all those key points and following up from the stuff from last week. And it, it really gave them the ability to coach the coaches in mass. And so when, when I say it's a force multiplier, Kathy essentially was scaling the excellence on coaching across all their frontline sales managers, which was an imperative for them. And tell me, wh why do you think there's so much buzz around sales enablement right now? Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons. 
there has been a lot of um, investment in this space. There are enablement vendors that are popping up left and right all over the place, and they all might do a different part of the sales process. But for the first time, there's really this, this large mass of, of vendors, and in doing so, they're, they're fighting for mind share and, and wallet share. And so as those dollars go, a lot of attention goes. And so you're really seeing for the first time there are you know, tracks at Dreamforce that talk about enablement. When you go to Sales 3.0 conference, there's tons of stuff about enablement. There's a group called the Sales Enablement Society for all practitioners. And so this wasn't there 15, 20 years ago. It's, it's all happening now, and a lot of it's driven by the investment. And so it's putting on the radar of a lot of folks that didn't really think about it before. And you obviously do recruiting for small organizations, large organizations. Where, where do you think... It, where, where do you think it's really a critical hire to bring in a sales enablement person? At what stage of a company's life cycle? Would you say it's, you know, the third employee in the sales team? Is it the 10th? Is it the right. 50th uh, or the 100th? Where, 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 where do you say, okay, because like I, I have pretty strong opinions around, you know, who, who, the, who the first sales hire should sure. be or the, and who the third sales hire should be. But where, where, does, where does sales enablement come into play most successfully in your experience? Yeah, I think a lot of folks kind of flub this up a little bit. And the, the way I think about this is if you're so early stage that you don't have a, a playbook or a repeatable sales process that, that works, it's probably too early. And so at the point when you, you realize you've had some success and you want to replicate that at scale, that's, that's the time to invest in enablement because if you don't have a, a, a repeatable sales process that you know works, you're just going to scale throwing spaghetti against the wall and, and hope something sticks. And so that's, it's too early. So I think when, once you actually know, all right, this is, this is how transactions are getting closed, that's the time to hire. And I will say to your point before, you know, sometimes people will have a hybrid role. So I'm a sales ops slash enablement, and that's that's totally fine. And, and sometimes it's, it's preferable. Mm -hmm. but, but once you really have that defined process and playbook of sales, and you're starting to bring more people in the front door to join the team, that's when you want to have a standalone dedicated person for sales enablement. So how many people on the team would you say that is in, in your experience? It can really vary. It depends on how mature the, the company is and what they, what they know about their own sales process. So sometimes it takes them up north of, of 25 people before they really have a predictable sales process. Sometimes it's as low as five or seven. Like it can be that small, but they know what to do. And that's, that's the success they want to replicate fast. And, and who do you think writes that sales playbook if it has to be done before the enablement person comes in? Yeah, so I, I think it's incumbent upon the organization to start to capture things that work. So whether it's an email template that works, whether it's a pitch that works, whether it's any, any small customer successes that they have, they need to be captured. And again, if there's no enablement person yet, then you know, sales leadership usually steps in for part of it. Marketing should step in on part of it and should be really a, a joint effort until it has a dedicated owner. But those folks who start to collect those things and it's the job of the sales enablement person really to, to try and curate that into what is really a playbook. And so even beyond hiring that enablement person, I'm a big believer in enablement being in the curation business, not the creation business. And so I would say their, their job is, as, as the company grows is, is to crowdsource a ton of stuff from the field, the best pitches, the best deal wins, the customer stories, the best demo flows, all those things that are happening in the field, 
enablement should be curating, getting those from the field versus trying to invent the thing from scratch. That makes a ton of sense. Um, let's talk about the main things that you look for when hiring an enablement person. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things and I'll, I'll kind of keep it to a short list for, for today's conversation. But, you know, when I screen people, I ask a lot of very specific questions. I try and tease out a few things. And so for any person in enablement, even if it's a, an entry level, like a program manager, here, here are four things that I think about. Number one is they must have some familiarity and appreciation for what sales does. Uh, they don't have to have carried a bag. People ask that all the time, you know, do they have to carry a bag? In my experience, they don't have to, but it is very important that they understand the process and the role and the art of, of sales. Mm -hmm. I think secondly is they, they've, they've got to be able to have, uh, have a good attention to detail and be very good communicators to the field. So, you know, it's all about being succinct and being targeted and having your message resonate. And so if they're, if they're poor communicators and not really organized, they're, they're going to struggle. And I think that the last two things for, for all enable employees, I think is one is, is having a, a strong curiosity about, your space, about your customers, about your customer's business, about the sales organization, just really having that curiosity, it tends to help them keep fine tuning the process because they're always finding ways to, to make it incrementally better. And the, the last thing that I think about, and it's, it's critical to tease out is, they, they should find personal value and reward in somebody else's success. I'm enabling a team's success of all salespeople, and I should, I should feel good about that. If I feel jealous, if I feel like resentful because they're getting all the glory and the biggest paycheck, then it's not right. So really, the ability to find satisfaction enabling others to be very successful is, is a key thing. But I will say this though, as you move up the chain, there are, I think, two things that are absolutely essential to a person who's gonna run an enablement function. So. Number one is they, they've got to be very good relationship builders. And if, they, if they're lacking this skill, they're really going to struggle because this is the capital of getting things done in the, in the company. And so I was, I was talking to somebody two weeks ago, and she had just joined a company as, as the head of enablement. And she, she went through their onboarding process as a new employee, and then she realized it was just absolutely terrible. And so she, when she was kind of on the job fully, she hunkered down for a good two to three months trying to update it, modernize it, and make it really interactive, all, all the things that it should be. And when she was done, she took it to the head of sales and said, hey, check this out. What do you think? And he was like, that is not my priority. That's not even my top five priorities. These are the things I wanted you to be doing. And she, she really hadn't paused to build a relationship to know the priorities of the head of sales. And that was, that was her fatal flaw there. So I think the relationship thing is, is absolutely essential. And the, the other thing that I always think about is, I see this far too often is, anybody in enablement, especially in the higher up roles, ha has got to have business stature and, and gravitas. Because what I, what I see too often is they're far too deferential to a head of sales, that whatever the head of sales wants, they just do. And the way it should work is that there should be a very strong push and pull and pushing of each other and, and, and you know, kind of a battle of ideas to get things done. And that's, that's how it works in a healthy environment. If it becomes this one-way street where VP of sales says do something and they just do it without question, 
it, it, it's a it's a bad formula and it's, it's just not a good place to be. You, you mentioned that that uh, 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 it's important that a sales and employment person not need to have the spotlight, not not get jealous when you know the, the salespeople make more than they do. Um, what do you think the appropriate comp is for a sales enablement person in an industry where the sales team, you know, the average salesperson on a team, the, their OTE is $100,000? What should the sales enablement person be making? Yeah, I, I will say there's there's a lot of variables. I'll tell you what I'm seeing a lot of. And again, I'm, I, I'm in the Bay Area and a lot of people I'm, I'm talking to are, are focused here. And so what I would say is for an entry level person in, in the Bay Area for enablement, I'm typically seeing around 125 or 145 OTE, like all, all in with, with bonus, including the part that's tied to sales. As you, as you move up the chain, if you're a, leading a team, you're probably going to be north of, of 200K for, for OTE. If you're really experienced at a, at a larger company, you could be easily north of, of three for, to run the enablement team there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about in, in more traditional industries that, you know, a, a parts manufacturer in Ohio? Yeah, I, I have less data on that, but what I would say is it's obviously going to be probably a good quarter off of that. But I, I will say in, in full candor is I, I, I don't have enough folks who are modernizing enablement in, in those fields. And so I, I just have a lot smaller data set for that. But would you say it's uh, about the same as what a salesperson makes OTE or a little less? I think a good rule of thumb is it should be about the same thing as a sales manager. So the, the manager there of that sales team is enabling the team's success. This person should be on par with that. Somewhere you know, between the salesperson and the sales manager is probably the safe zone. The more experienced should be higher towards the, like that RVP salary. Um, that makes a ton of sense. So... If you are a VP of sales, how, how do you know if you have good or bad, <clears throat> good or bad sales enablement in place? How, how can you tell? Yeah, the, the good news is it's not hard to tell. I, I was talking to somebody last week and he said, you know, he characterized his programs as being celebrated, not tolerated. And I, I kind of smiled because you, you kind of just know from what you're doing, but there are some definite telltale signs that you'll observe if it's good or bad. So I think, you know, number one is if, if you were to ask your a sales enablement person, what are the top three priorities for the sales team this quarter? If they cannot rattle them off one, two, three off the top of their head, there's a problem. You, you don't have good alignment with the sales organization. That's number one. I think number two is if you roll out a program and you get 50, 60% participation by the field, it's a very big sign that they're not respecting and don't see value in what you're doing. And the, the other thing that I, I, I see a lot, and it's, it's, it's a problem, is if you have an enablement person and they're rolling something out and they say to you, hey, I want to roll this out in, in March. If you ask them the question, why do you want to roll out that program? If their response doesn't talk about some sales KPIs and how the program is going to affect those sales KPIs, they're, they're not being data-driven. And enablement should be data-driven. And I'll tell you it's a quick story. Back when I was at Saleshood before and I, and I was selling, I, people would come to us all the time and they would say, hey, Dave, I, I really need your help. I want to roll out a messaging certification program. I'd say, great, happy to help you. Why are you doing that? And they'd say, oh, we haven't done it in about six months. I said, yeah, but, but, but why are you doing it? 
because we haven't done it. And there, there was no awareness or recognition that enablement is a means to an end. It was just something that you just did. And what I always would love to hear is when I ask, you know, why do you want to do a, do a messaging certification? Something like, you know, we, we have two new competitors in our space and our, our win rates are historically 60% and now it's down closer to 35%. We have to fix this now. Our marketing team just built some new messaging and we want to certify every, every salesperson on that. Like that's a data-driven response. That's a program that makes sense and resonates with sales versus a certification just to do it. Um, now, on the other side of that coin is, if, if your program is really healthy, you'll know that because the enablement team will be pulled in a thousand different directions. You'll be part of product launch meetings with the marketing team. You'll be part of the sales uh, VP's staff meeting. You'll be part of QBRs. You'll be pulled in a lot of directions because people will value your input and you're a big, very important stakeholder to them. And if you if you feel like you you're a VP of sales, um, you have a lot of sales leadership that listen to the podcast here. Um, if you were interested in leveling up your your current sales enablement person or or team of people doing sales enablement for you, how would you approach that? Yeah, so a few things come to mind. I, I, I would start, if you're not already doing it, to really embrace your enablement person. I literally spoke to somebody yesterday who said that she and her CRO haven't spoken in months. And I kind of kind of scratched my head. So I think first and foremost is, if you're a VP of sales, pull them in closer, invite them to your staff meetings, invite them to the QBRs, to the deal war rooms, a lot of the sales activities that you're doing. Pull them in there because, and ask them to participate vocally and, and in a very active way because you're going to get a very clear sense of what specific skills are lacking and which ones they have. And so through, though you, once you embrace them, you're really going to get a clear picture of that. And then they might start to get, you know, partner with somebody else to help fix those, those very focal deficiencies that they have. But I, I would also say a couple more things are important. It doesn't always happen in all companies. I would say really encourage the enablement folks to spend more time in the field. So doing ride-alongs with salespeople, shadowing phone calls, doing their dry runs for a very important presentation, sitting on their demos. But getting them more more immersed in what the field's going through will always help them have the right orientation that they don't always have. And I would say just two more things that are slightly different than most people think about. There are a lot of um, conferences and, and vendor-sponsored events that are happening now that are a very robust source of best practices. And so I would say getting them plugged into those things is a very good thing. The Sales Enablement Society is a, is a great oasis of information. There's another group called Accelerate that's, that has great stuff, but getting them plugged into those things is important. And the one thing that's really kind of old school that is, is powerful is, you know, encourage them to get a mentor that works in a different company who's a couple levels higher than they are. I've seen it very, very well, very effective where they can go to that person because they're not part of the company, they can have very open conversations, not feel uh, stifled to say what they're really feeling and experiencing. Those are, but, but that's a bunch of things they can do. I think that will start to get to the right orientation and start finding out where their skill gaps are. Fantastic. And what trends do you see in sales enablement and where do you think it's headed next? Yeah. So a lot of things are, are happening now. You'll, you'll see from a lot of different companies, 
a lot of recording, recording of pitches, recording of demos, recording of, of telephone calls. And then with those things, you know, more coaching, more feedback, call analysis, call, you know, really kind of splicing up what was the structure of the call and did they hit the best practices. There's a lot of that stuff going on. I think that's all phenomenal stuff of the transcription and the feedback and the what you're doing with that stuff. I think now that what's being layered on top of that is more and more AI. And so what, what I'm seeing now is more dynamic uh, playbooks. So depending on the type of deal or depending on the stage that you're at on this particular deal, I'm going to recommend a certain playbook to you or certain sales assets or certain deal wins and really starting to push towards you the content that's most appropriate for, for the particular deal that you're on in real time. And I think just directionally what, what you're going to see in the next couple of years is more and more consolidation amongst these vendors into to, to bigger, bigger buckets. And so you're going to see fewer vendors with a much bigger footprint of, of the different parts of the sales process. Outstanding. Well, the next section here is what I call sales in 60 seconds. Well, I'll okay. ask you a question with the goal of answering it in 60 seconds. All right. I'll do the best I can. First question. How can sales enablement leaders stay up to date about trends and new developments in the field? Yeah. So there are a couple of things I just mentioned a second ago that I would also say if you're a sales leader, you should also be plugged into. There is the Sales Enablement Society. There's, there's Accelerate. There's these groups that are all about sharing what's happening, where it's going. And there's, there's a large number of, of really prolific thought leaders out there on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, if you ping me, I can give you the list of people that I follow, but there's a ton. You know, Eli Cohen, Gerhard Schwatner, Nancy Narden, uh, Tamara Schenk, but a lot of folks who all are fairly out there and are giving you a good direction of, of where the space is going. And again, I can give you my list if you guys ping me directly, but there's just a lot of folks I would follow them all and, and spend some time each week just looking over what they're posting because it's, there's a lot of very actionable tactical things in there that you want to pay attention to as a sales leader. And what, what's your opinion on what the most challenging part of sales enablement is? Yeah, um, where do I begin? So it, it depends. So in the case where you don't have alignment, the, the biggest challenge is getting a seat at the table. So if, you, if, you're, if you're not really plugged in and with a good relationship to sale, the sales organization, when you go to get executive sponsorship for your programs, you're not gonna get it. When you go to pull in your, your frontline sales managers to help you uh, kind of lead by example and go first, it's very hard to get them to do that. So getting their, getting their attention and participation can be very, very hard if you don't have that seat at the table and if you haven't earned it. Uh, on the flip side is if you have earned it and you have a very healthy program, your biggest challenge is you're going to have to make some very tough calls and prioritize what to focus on and what not to focus on. And you're going to have to say no to a lot of folks who have some very urgent and important needs uh, right now. And that's, it's a very hard decision to make as a, as a person who wants to help them succeed. Tell me, what are some tools that you would recommend sales enablement professionals take a look at? Yeah, there, as I said before, there is a proliferation of, of these tools out there. Um, I, I have a clear bias. I worked for one for three and a half years, so I'm a big fan of sales and what, what they do. But what I would say is the following. More generally, I, I would focus on tools that really facilitate peer-to-peer -peer learning, that really allows you know, your, your 
your B and C level reps to observe how your A reps are doing their jobs and allows them to emulate that. If you can make that happen at scale, you're in a very good position. So I think that is, that is a fundamental building block of whatever tool I would, I would bring into the organization. And I, I would also say ones that are, are mobile first and because we're, we're a profession in the field and we're always have a you know, two minutes here, five minutes here. And so having it where you can do things on the go is very important. So mobile is a key thing. And I think the last thing is just tools that are, are, are working with you in real time. So it's not a repository. It has intelligence that's pushing stuff to me when I need it. It sort of anticipates what I need. If your tool does those things, you're in a good position. Given that you're an expert in sales enablement, what's the best advice on sales enablement that you would like to give our listeners? How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say it this way. So if you're a salesperson, let me start there. If you're a salesperson, when your enablement team brings to you another program, give them the benefit of the doubt because they're there to make you successful. They're trying to help you. So just give it, give it a try and try and participate and see if it gives you value. If it does give you value, then let others know. If it doesn't, then you need to give them some very direct feedback on, hey, I didn't find value in this and, and this is why. And so um, I, I would do that. And I also, as a salesperson, I would embrace them as well. I would pull them into your deal war rooms with your, with your manager. I would encourage them to give you feedback on a very important deck that you're working on that you're presenting next week. So I, I would really pull them in there for another point of view. And again, the more they get aligned with what you care about and what you're doing, the better they can serve you. So that, that's if you're a sales rep. So for the sales leaders who are on this call listening today, so here's my, my big challenge for you. If, as you listen to what we've talked about here today, you realize that your enablement program is not modern, it's not the way we've been describing how it should work, then commit to fixing that in 2019. Absolutely require yourself that you're going to make a change because there are very solid rock star enablement folks out there now who can do this job effectively in a modern way that is material to your to your business and so if you don't have that force multiplier in effect now then commit to making that happen and, and i will say two things sometimes as you embrace your sales enablement folks you realize they're they just don't have what it takes that's fine you might need to make a personnel change that, that that's fine but also what i would say is if you're a sales leader and you've never had a good enablement person reporting up to you before you don't know what you don't know and you're probably might be hearing it for the first time here today. And so what I would say is you yourself might have to make a behavioral and mental shift in how you work with your enablement people. And so challenge yourself to make sure you're, you're using it the right way and get some feedback from others, your executive peers on, on how you're working with them, but really challenge yourself to do it, to embrace them the right way. Because if you do this right, like I said before, they're your, your, your force multiplier and your keys to success in the organization. Well, that's fantastic advice. Um, I'm going to do my best to summarize this in a minute or two here um, because so many people are in their cars, et cetera. So it's, it's good to hear things twice. We can't take notes. Yeah. Um, so first of all, there, there's a lack of understanding of what sales enablement is today because it's changed so much over the last 10 or 15 years. Sales enablement focus is the, the, their big, the, the most important thing they do is to move the friction away from the sales process. Uh, 
sales training can often be a subcategory within enablement to help salespeople with specific skills. The key responsibility of a sales enablement professional is getting close to the sales team and bringing together all the best practices of the highest performers of that sales team. Sales enablement can be a force multiplier in your organization. It can drive excellence across the whole sales team. There's a lot of buzz around sales enablement currently because there's a lot of investment in the space. This has really pushed sales enablement to become a focus area for a lot more companies and to recognize how important it is. A good time to hire a sales enablement person is when you start experiencing sales win, wins and have a, a, a really set process and, and you've gotten your playbook written across the sales organization. That's when a, a sales enablement person can come in and help you scale the successes that you've been finding across the whole sales organization. The main things to look for when you're hiring a sales enablement executive are one, familiarity and appreciation for sales. Didn't have to carry a bag, but they've got to be really familiar with it. Two, having a really strong attention to detail. Three, being a curious person. And four, it's got to be someone who on a psychological or personal level, finds value in helping others be successful. It's also important for sales enablement people to be great relationship builders and to work well with both the VP of sales and the reps. That way they can support not only the KPIs that the VP wants, but also uh, working closely with the reps can recognize what, what they need to be more successful. You can measure a sales enablement program when there's good alignment with the sales organization and when the team is data driven. And that's when you'll really be able to, to see the results. You can level up your sales enablement team by getting them out into the field, doing ride alongs, watching the demos that the sales team is doing, um, helping them better understand the sales team and where the, where the weak spots might be. It's important to work to embrace sales enablement across the team. As a sales rep, you should understand that sales enablement offers you a new tool and make sure you give feedback to the sales enablement team so that they can support you better. Tell them what you need. And then as a sales leader, try to understand if your sales enablement force is up to date. Don't be afraid to modernize your sales enablement force and, uh, and strategy in 2019. Well, that was some really fantastic thoughts and advice, Dave. Um, Tell me, where can our listeners read more about your work and, and how do they reach out to you if they, if they want to hear more? Yeah, so a couple places. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. I, I post a lot of things there, some, a lot of video content about sales enablement, so you can follow me there. It's Dave Lichtman, L-I-C-H-T-M-A-N. 
if you're driving, don't uh, try and write that down. And um, <laughs> we'll put it also, in the notes. Don't worry. <laughs> you can so you can follow me there, and then also if you want to contact me directly, it's just Dave at EnableMatch.com, and reach out to me. I'm I'm happy to help you understand what modern enablement looks like, and then again, as you try and assess the the, the skills and attributes of a hire, I, I can help give you some consulting on that too. All right, fantastic. Well, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode of Outside Sales Talk. If you have any feedback or want us to cover any particular topic, feel free to reach out, feedback at outsidesalestalk.com. Um, please help us spread the word uh, that, that we've got a podcast for field sales and outside salespeople. And take care until next week, everybody. 